worship. I appreciate it. Um, this is my third third church today, and I, and I, and um, I keep hearing about this children ministry, which is phenomenal. Phenomenal, taking the time to to touch the young, um, plant the seeds right for someone else to water them. That's usually how it works, unfortunately. Um, but just be given of your time to, to support them um, and share with them and love them like Christ would. And, um, and then we fast forward to um, Pastor Gary and, and what he's trying to accomplish here in your beautiful town with uh, Celebrate Recovery. Um, another phenomenal way to continue that ministry for the youth. Um, and then anybody that didn't get that when they were younger, but still can love on them now. So it's an honor to be able to be here this morning with, with you fine folks. I, um, thank you. We, um, we do celebrate recovery. I'm from Kenana and the United Methodist Church. That's where my wife and I um, worship and praise and, and jumped in with both feet. Um, we are both recovering alcoholics. I'm a recovering drug addict as well. Um, and we dove right into that program, Celebrate Recovery, as soon as, as, soon as we could. Um, and so we are having Celebrate Recovery Sunday in Kent Island right now as we speak. Um, that that uh, community is loving on the church and, and, and sharing what God does to that program. And so um, Pastor Gary, as I think some of you may be aware, um, is visiting his family in Michigan. And um, he had asked our pastor to find someone to put you to sleep. <laughs> and so here I am. Now, what's amazing to me is there's some people um, that were at earlier services that are here. Um, and I have no idea if I put them to sleep or not. <laughs> However, it's beautiful to watch everybody want to keep praising the Lord. Is my point there. Um, so again, I, I am honored to be here. I am just another um, lay servant for the Lord, and I am blessed to be that. Um, and I was asked to come up here and share what Celebrate Recovery has done in my life personally, and um, have a pep rally for you folks, or that's the way I'm looking at it anyway. So I like to say, I like to start with um, the word recovery um, has a stigma to it in a lot of people's lives, right? A lot of people hear the word recovery and immediately you go to a drug addict or an alcoholic, right? Who is usually a thief or whatever to, to um, supply their habit, right? Um, and you're usually looked down upon. And so when you hear the term recovery, you, that's what you think, and you may or may not be interested in wanting to help. Um, but I, I, I would submit to you that the recovery, um, you're looking at it all the wrong way, right? You could, you could easily, I, I wrote some things down on my way up here, but I, I did pull over before I wrote them down. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> Um, you, you know, you could say celebrate the redemption of your life, 
right? You don't have to call it celebrate recovery if that's a problem, right? Look at it as a celebrate of the redemption of your life, right? Celebrate the, the rebirth of your life, right? Celebrate the death to the old you and the rebirth to the new you. Now you got, now that kind of like, whoa, now, yeah, I even want a piece of cake with that one, right? Because it's something to celebrate, right? Celebrate Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. So, Celebrate Recovery is a phenomenal Christian-based program that uses 12 steps and eight principles that come directly out of the Bible, right? Celebrate Recovery is a way to introduce people to Jesus Christ who would not be interested in, in hearing that because of a bad taste they had in their mouth as a child, right? Celebrate Recovery deals with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's what we call them. That's a beautiful way of saying sin. That's what that is, right? Your hurt, habit, or hang-up is defined by saying, what is it in your life that is taking your eyes off the prize? What is in your life that is keeping you off of looking at Jesus, of wanting to serve Jesus, of wanting to be like Jesus? Whatever that is, hurt, habit, or hang-up. Pretty much that simple. When I looked at it like that, whoa, right? Like I shared, I, I started in my walk with Christ, in my struggles with life as a drug addict and alcoholic. As I worked the steps and principles and identified what that was and was able to arrest that, I just found the next one. Work too much. I still have that problem. I work too much. I use the excuse, right? Right? It needs to get done. There's always something that needs to get done at work, right? I eat too much, gamble, pornography, anything, whatever it is that could be in your life. That's an issue. Need to be addressed. The best way you, the best way you can do it. That's what Celebrate Recovery was. So I I applaud Pastor Gary. I, I had the privilege of, of serving with him four years ago on a, on a Kairos weekend, which is a prison ministry. That's a whole other story for another day. But Gary's a powerful man. He's a powerful man. And um, for him to, to come to this town and to start this, um, you guys with him, start this children's ministry and now celebrate recovery um, if, if it works out, Lord willing, is a phenomenal task, and I, and I applaud anybody that's interested in even giving that a shot. So I start by saying that I'm born in Philadelphia. That makes me a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Uh, I know there's some, there's some fans in the back. We have some capital delusionalists, but that's okay. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> It's all good fun. Well, I know you won. We haven't won since the 70s, but I'm still, a, I'm still a fan. I was born in New Jersey. All that means absolutely nothing, right? That means nothing. Um, that's where I was raised. I had a father who went to work every day, worked for New Jersey Bell back then. My mother was fortunate enough to stay home to take care of my brother and I. So I, can't, I don't have excuses 
Like, I didn't have a family that loved me, that, that supported me. I didn't have that. I did phenomenally well. I was blessed to do phenomenally well in school. I look at, back at it as it was a kind of a curse because I didn't have to try hard. And I did well, and that made me lazy as I got older. I, I did very well in sports. Of course, like every young man, I thought that was going to be my life. I'm going to be superstar hockey player for the Philadelphia Flyers. They had to take my kidney out when I was seven, and, uh, and that's, that, that was the end of my sports athletic career, right? I, I couldn't play contact sports after I was 12. Started feeling sorry for myself. That, that gave me a purpose in my life that was gone. Um, and I floundered with that. I struggled with that. I bring that up because that's what, people, that's what youth do, right? We, they struggle to find their way, and that's why I... I'm so happy to see that you're so willing to help them do that before they get lost. Because that's what happens to us. We get lost. Right? And so um, I started hanging around with the wrong crowd. Um, My father was like a very good friend to me and a mentor, obviously. And I had another really good friend and mentor. His name was Ricky. My father died of a lung and esophagus cancer. It's an ugly, ugly disease to watch happen, especially back in the 70s. And so uh, I was 15, early 16 when he passed away, and I had no one to rein me in. And I, I, I did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I, I was angry with God. Um, couldn't believe that he took my father away. Okay, I... I uh, I realized my mother lost her lifelong companion, and my brother lost his father, and I didn't care. That's how I was. I was selfish, and I didn't care. I lost my father, and I declared war on God, and I didn't care what God's rules and regulations were, and I started to drink and drug, and once you put that stuff in my body, I could not stop. What I mean by not stop, I either had to run out, pass out, or get locked up. That's the only way I stop once I put that in my system. When I didn't put it in my system, I just craved more because I wanted to stop hurting. And that's how I lived my life. What happened was at the age of 17, as a senior in high school, I was completely off the hook, out of control. My mother had to kick me out of the house. I would come home and destroy the house. I say that um, to say with you now that In my heart of hearts, I believe that that was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. I didn't believe that at the time. I was not happy about that at the time. It was a struggle, but it made me start having to grow up and be responsible. I have no idea what would have happened to me if that did not happen. But that took a while, and um, I got in New Jersey back then. The drinking age was 18. Driving was 17. Got a driver's license on a Friday. The following Friday, with one week of experience, four carloads of us went to party down the New Jersey shore, a place called Long Beach Island, if you're familiar with that area. Doesn't matter, just another beach town with a bar. Um, We got very drunk, very high, very violent, big fight, jumped in the car hours after I was supposed to be home. Drove home. I made the conscious decision 
and choice to drive home. And I'm mentioning that because my understanding is Pastor Gary's been talking about a series on life's choices, right? And what um, and different ones. And this this week's topic is the choice of transformation or or allowing God to transform our lives. Got to make that choice. You got to decide consciously decide to allow that to happen, or it doesn't happen, right? I've heard it said a lot of times, we have a, God is a gentleman and he's not going to force himself upon us, but he's there waiting for us. And I'm going to tell you a little bit how he waited for me. And so I made the conscious choice and decision to, to drive that car drunk in a, in a blinding rainstorm. And I woke up four days later in the intensive care unit in a hospital in a little town called Hamilton, New Jersey. When I woke up, there was a little doctor standing over me. He asked me, did I understand what happened? And did I know what happened? And I told him I had no idea what happened. And he told me that I had uh, wrecked a car um, in, the, in the rainstorm. So what, what happened was I, I, I took a curve. I didn't take the curve. It flipped. The car rolled six times to the passenger side. Driver's side door broke off. I flew out and broke nine ribs. All nine ribs punctured both of my lungs, and they, my lungs were not inflating for three or four days, and he had no idea how I was still alive. I'd know today it was God. Back then, he had no idea. He did say, however, your friend Ricky was not as fortunate as you. Ricky was in the passenger side, and the car rolled on top of Ricky and crushed him, and he passed away of his injuries. I say that for one reason, just to let you know that that stuff's real. That stuff happens all the time. It's not just in a movie. It's just not over in Baltimore or Annapolis. It happens. And it's a tough one to live with. I wanted more than anything for me to be the one that died and not Ricky. When I went back to high school, I would have I swore people were looking at me saying, I wish he died and not Ricky. Ricky was very popular. Nobody ever said that to me, ever, but I felt that. So it doesn't matter if they said it or not. It's what I believed in my heart, and it hurt. And, 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 and my conclusion became, as it is now, we have a big, huge world out there that has a lot of real hurt in it and a lot of real pain in it. And a lot of people that don't know what to do with that. And a lot of people that don't have any idea where to go with that. And they just drown in that pain. That's where I was. And I went on a, on a self-prescribed mission to kill myself through drugs and alcohol. By killing the pain. And the more I drank, the more I drugged, the more I hurt myself, the more I hurt people. When I would straighten up, I would realize what I did. That pain got even greater, right? And I had this hole in my soul that I couldn't fill. In recovery process, some people like to call that a God-sized hole that only God can fill. That's what I had. I didn't know what it was. I knew I needed to do a change. I went to a rehabilitation center for 28 days and wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. And I drank and drug again. On October 27th of 1986, I crawled back into a recovery process. 
And I don't know if I wanted to stop drinking or stop drugging, but I knew that I didn't want to die. And so that's what I showed up for, not, not knowing what I wanted other than to not die. And I haven't had a, through the grace of God, haven't had a drink or a drug since. However, that don't mean life gets any easier. Right? You still have life in session. Life happens to everyone. <clears throat> I have a dear friend of mine that would say this to me all the time. Hey, Jonesy, how are you treating the world today? Right? Because we don't care. It don't matter how the world is treating me. The world treats me like it treats everybody else, right? My problem in my self-centered emotional state was everything's not fair. Life's not fair to me, right? If your father died, you would drink too, right? If you got in a car wreck, you would live the way I did too. Well, I found people that those things happened to, and they didn't live that way, right? They They didn't live that way. So the question always became, Bob, how do you treat the world today? Because the world treats me like it treats everybody else. Right? And I didn't know how to do that. I had no idea how to do that. And I met a gentleman in Cambridge, Maryland, to be exact, one of the few I've ever met in my life, a man that loved me enough to tell me the truth. And he started me on a spiritual walk using the principles and steps of, at that time, a program called Alcoholics Anonymous which are the same steps as the program of Celebrate Recovery. They all came from the good book, the Lord's good book. All that direction comes from the word of God. It's all right in there. They just reworded it a little bit so people might read it and say, what does that mean? And then you got them. (laughs) Right? Instead of running and not wanting to hear nothing, they ask a question and then you have them. So that's what happened to me. I met a man that loved me enough to tell me the truth that, that started me on a spiritual journey through the Bible and the steps of what is now I use to celebrate recovery that have led me to a life way beyond my wildest dreams. Way beyond my wildest dreams. And I can never um, say enough good things about it. Right? <clears throat> so he taught me to get into the Word. He said, I'm going to tell you what I believe to be true, but don't believe me. Read the book. Make sure it's in the book. If it's not in the book, we better talk about it because it might not be true. Right? He told me that people, to the best of their ability, are flawed at best. We're all flawed at best, and they can let me down. The person I needed to build a relationship with was Jesus Christ. Because when, there's, when, when the stuff hits the fan... And I need help. I might call when you find people and not be able to get a hold of you. And what am I going to do? I need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Celebrate Recovery does. It helps people identify whatever their hurt, habit, or hang-up is. Beautiful way of saying sin. That's all that is. Right? Hurt, habit, or hang-up is what is the sinful nature in your life that is bumping you off the track far enough to keep your eyes off of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, right? Big things in our lives don't bump us. They push us towards Christ, right? When you have a catastrophe in your life, most people will go right to Christ. They'll go right to their Christian friends and ask for prayer, right? That's, that's human nature, right? What do we do wrong? We always say, oh, I can't help X, Y, Z, but I... 
I'll pray for you, right? When prayer should be the first thing that we do always is pray, right? I learned all that through the program of Celebrate Recovery, right? I need to make sure that my relationship with Christ is right so that I can handle everything, anything, regardless of what happens around me. Celebrate Recovery is a year-long program. We meet on Wednesday nights, 7 to 8 o'clock. We have a, a 20 minutes of worship. We have some announcements. We have a book, a textbook, that walks us through the 12 steps and the 12 principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, of Celebrate Recovery, excuse me. And every, like, every Wednesday, someone will share on the topic. The next week, there'll be somebody that will share their testimony on how Celebrate Recovery is working in their life, and we bounce back and forth. And then from 8 to 9 o'clock, Celebrate Recovery has... Small groups break into gender-specific groups, and you talk about what was just shared the hour before and any other problems that may, may come on, on in your life. And what happens with that small group? You start to meet with the same people over and over every week. You start to know them. It's like a small group that you have now. It's like a Bible study that you have now. You start to know the people that are in them. You start to care about the people that are in them. You miss them when they're gone, and you check up on them. You care, and you work together, and you're sharing a common bond. Whatever your hurt, habit, or hang-up is, it's nothing like walking through it with somebody else walking through that same issue. Or better yet, someone that's already walked through that issue, and they can tell you, right? So I say when, when, when I was 16, and people walked by at my father's viewing and said, I'm sorry, I know how you feel. It was very nice of them. But they were standing next to their father, so how could they know how I felt? They meant well, and I appreciate that, but they didn't know. But if you've been through a major trial in your life, and you got through it through the saving and redemptive power of Jesus Christ, and you can tell somebody, now that's something that you can relate to. An experience I've had, I've had many of them. One of the most powerful one was at, at Kent Island, we have a group of men that go into Queen Anne County Detention Center every Sunday, 8 to 9 o'clock, two of us. We rotate, and we bring the love of Christ into the detention center. And in 2015, there was a gentleman named Tony who was going to prison for 8 to 12 years. He wasn't getting out of that, and there was nothing we could do to help him with that. He did the crime, he had to pay the time. Our job, Christ asks us to do, is make sure they know him before they get there. So Tony was upset, not that he was going to prison for 12 years, but that he was in a car wreck, that he was driving and somebody died. He was drunk, they died, and he didn't know, what do you say? What do you say to the judge? What do you say to the parents? What do you say to the wife? And I was able to tell him, right? Because God uses tragedies in our lives for good if we let him. Only if you let him. And that's what Celebrate Recovery is asking from us. Just come love people. Share what you've been through and help them get through it. And maybe, along the way, 
You might find something you need to work on yourself. I'm pretty sure you will. Pretty sure you will, regardless of where you are in your walk. There is always room for improvement. So that's what, that's what Celebrate Recovery does for people. A friend's benefit is to be in a position to watch the broken walk in and sit in the back corner and not want you near them because they're afraid you're going to judge, right? They're afraid you're going to tell them what they're doing wrong and why they need to stop doing it, and they try to stay away and, and and to connect with them just because you can, because you care. And not try to change their life. Just love them. That's all people need is just people to love them. If we can just show them the love of Christ, God will do the rest. He does the rest. Right? And so a lot of us don't get involved in these things because we're afraid we're going to fail. Right? We're not. God doesn't put on us the, the, the burden of the result. Our burden is the effort. This is what he told me. He said, Bob. And I heard heard him say, Bob, I did not save you from that car accident for you to be self-serving and serve yourself. I saved you from that to go out and share to the world how I got you through that and how I can get them through that. And that's your mission. And when you're done with that, I will bring you home. And until then, that's what you are to do. Right? So when I was asked to come here, yes is my answer. I was told that a long time ago. If I can ever do anything to help somebody or, or, or help the kingdom of Christ, change your plans if you have to, the answer is yes. So here I am. Right? My wife's singing in the band, and she's all excited, and she would have liked for me to see that, but she knows that, nope, God told you to come to Rock Hall. So that's where you go. That's what we do. That's what you all can do. I'm sure you do a lot of that now. With, I mean, the way you have your children's program and the way you worship here and the way you love the Lord, I'm positive that you're involved, but I'm, I'm real sure, too, that you could probably do more. And the reason I say that is because I, I shared this at the last church. Anybody ever ask you to serve somewhere and you say, uh, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. And then you call them in a week or you two. And what you really did is talked yourself out of it, right? I'm, instead of praying, my prayer was, man, I'm really busy. I'm not sure that I can do that another night. Oh, nope, can't do it. I'm busy. I did that. Said my plate's too full. And God told me, get a bigger plate. That's what he said, get a bigger plate. And I'm like, well, I know. Well, first I'm looking around, are you talking to me? And he, yep, I'm the only one there, right? And he's, he's talking to me. So it is, it is phenomenal the task that, that Pastor Gary and you guys are, are trying to do. Life's all about choices. It's a beautiful, you know, series of sermons that he's putting together, right? It's all about choices, and I would, I would always like to say, when I was younger, I made the best decision I could have, best choice I could with the information that I had. I just had all the wrong information, right? It was all about serving me, right? When I realized that I'm not a bad person, 
It's just a sick person that needed help. My life changed drastically. I'll tell you what else changed my life drastically. That's saying, how, how are you treating the world today? And good and bad. Right? I use, life is unfair. It's treating me unfairly. Bad things keep happening to me. If you had my life, you, you would do the same thing. Like I said earlier, right? But when I look at my life, part of the steps to celebrate recovery are identifying that I need a Savior. Right? I didn't know I needed a Savior until I realized I needed to be saved from something, and that something is me. Right? When you took the drug and alcohol away from me, I was still not doing real well, and I realized I needed to be saved from me, so I needed a Savior. And then the steps help me identify what my hurt habits or hang-ups are, character defects, sinful nature. Whatever makes you feel better, it's all the same. Right? And, and, and to me, it's all the same. Whatever word makes you feel better, whatever you buy into, pick that one. <laughs> Pretty simple. Right? And so I realized that all that trials, all that tribulation, all that hurt, all that pain has led me to the relationship I have with Jesus Christ today. And I would never trade that for anything in the world. So if that's the result of what happened to me, then I cannot call it bad. I can call it painful. I can say it hurt. I could even say if I had a choice, I probably would rather have not gone down that road. But it's led me to the relationship I have with Christ. So it's not bad. It's it's a good thing. Right? Try to convince yourself that one at first when you want to feel sorry for yourself. Right? Because if I admit that, then hey, I have a part in my life. I have to become responsible for my life. That's a beautiful plan. Because when I take, when I take responsibility, now I can get help. That's what Celebrate Recovery does for people. I've seen it all the time. It's such a strong, phenomenal, powerful program. And it needs a lot of help, right? So we're getting ready to start another year, and we were just counting up, right? If you get a good, full-blown Celebrate Recovery rolling, you need 18 people, 18 leaders. You need people to help with the service. You need people to give the talks. You need people to have lead small groups. You need people to start step studies. Step studies are a weekly gathering, men with men, women with women, that go through systematically the four, the four brochures of Celebrate Recovery that have the 12 steps in them. You go through to understand them. You have a bunch of questions related to them. You answer them honestly as you possibly can. You share them with what becomes a new accountability group. All that needs help. But what a gift to take your time, give it to another human being, right? Like, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and I said, I'll lead that step study. I've done them for 30 years. I don't know what I'm going to get out of them because you get an ego involved. And then you find out, you know, you, you never stop learning, never stop growing. My wife has been blessed beyond my wildest dreams. And it's all due to a recovery process that was worded a little differently than you need Jesus. But led me to Jesus. And we'll lead people to Jesus. That's what the program's going to talk about. It's going to say you need a 
you need to admit that your, your life, your hurt habit or hang up is power, you're powerless over it and your life's unmanageable. Come to believe that God can make it manageable. Make a decision to turn your will and your life over to that God and let's identify what it is and clean it up. I can never, like I said, uh, I can't repay. I'm not supposed to repay this gift of this life that's been given to me. But pay it forward. And that's all we all try to do. So I appreciate you uh, giving up your time, allowing me to come here. I don't think anybody's sleeping, which is always good. Nobody left, that's good. And no snoring, yeah, yeah. So God bless you all. Thanks for letting me come here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brother Bob. Thanks for making that special bit of room on your plate for us. And, uh, I'm going to go online and order some bigger plates and, and so that we'll all have bigger plates now. And uh, 